Okay, if you'd like to grab your Bibles or your phones, we're going to have a look at Judges. It's a book of some exciting stories, a lot of action in Judges. And we're going to have a look at chapter 6, verse 11 to 24 today. It's the story of Gideon, or part of it. It's Judges 6, 11 to 24. Follow along. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress in order to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you'll strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I've found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back. I bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is peace. And to this day it stands an offer of the Abiez rites. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever been there? Have you been threshing wheat in a wine press somehow in your own life, maybe? Doing it tough, feeling heavy under the circumstances, wondering where is God in all of this? And why is this happening if he's supposed to be with me? And our time in Timor-Leste was 
and, and our unexpected return has been a little bit like that. I mean, surely it was God's plan for that to turn out differently. And didn't, didn't God call me to that place, to that role? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? While Gideon was going about his daily tasks, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak tree, staff in hand. And what follows here is a fascinating dialogue. And it's a conversation that not only leads into one of the great battle stories of the Bible, but it also reveals to us a number of things about God, about life, about calling, suffering, so we're going to zoom in on three particular phrases in this dialogue and unpack them. We're also going to have a look at a bit of the wider story of Gideon and the Midianites and see, yeah, what can we learn from this? What can we learn about God from this? What truths can we apply to our life today? So let's dig into the Bible text. Let's look at verse 13. Gideon says that statement, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And he tells God, the people are saying, where are the wonders? Where are the Red Sea moments in our time? Note that Gideon's question here and the people's attitude actually reveals something. There's an assumption there that when God is with you, you will see miraculous wonders. That's the assumption. And so the absence of wonders then suggests the absence of God. You see what's going on there? And Gideon says, But now the Lord's abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. He's basically saying, Look, I don't see anything special, therefore God's not here. But look at what God is saying to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's present tense. It's a current reality. The Lord is with you. So it's clear from this, I mean, God doesn't lie. It's clear from this that God's presence doesn't automatically mean amazing wonders. It doesn't mean you're going to see miracles in your time. It doesn't mean God's going to intervene in your difficult situation and in a big, powerful, amazing way. It doesn't mean everything's going to be all good, that there'll be an absence of suffering. We might think God with us means everything's going to be rosy, but that's garbage. How does God, the angel of the Lord, respond to Gideon's question? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? It's a pretty upfront thing to say to God, right? So verse 14, you can have a look. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God doesn't even answer the question. If you look, though, in the preceding verses, before what we read out just now, in fact, God has already made it pretty clear to them. He's already answered this question um, back in verse 10. There's this unnamed prophet, and it, you can almost miss it if you don't look closely. 
And God didn't want them to worship other gods. God wanted them to worship him. And it says, but you've not listened to me. And all through Judges, we see this repeated pattern where God's people move away from worshipping God. They, they lose the plot and God leaves them to it and they become oppressed and then he raises up another judge to save them. So it's all part of the big picture here. But God's not dwelling on the why. doesn't sit down and try and explain all this in big detail. He's already working on the way forward to, to save his people from oppression. So God's answer to Gideon's why is go. And sometimes we don't get an answer to the whys in our life. And you know what? I think it's clear from this that we don't need an answer, that Gideon didn't need an answer. Because if you look at the wider story here, God is really... Um, helpful and patient and kind with Gideon um, to provide him answers for other things. He doesn't provide him this why at this moment. And I think if, if Gideon had have needed that, God would have certainly given it in that moment. So perhaps we don't need these answers that we think we need. It's weird, right? Because we, we're wired as humans somehow to, to automatically think, why? Why me? Why is this happening? But perhaps we just need to hear God say, go, not explain the why. Because after all, we might not even understand the explanation, right? We're just humans. So from this portion around verse 13, let's pick out a few truths. First, we sometimes don't think God's with us when he actually is with us. The absence of miraculous wonders doesn't mean the absence of God. And we won't and don't need to understand all of the whys when difficult things are happening to us or have happened to us. Let's take a closer look at that um, verse 14 response. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And how does Gideon respond to that? He says, but how can I? How can I save Israel? He sees that he's weak. You know, he, humanly speaking, is from the least tribe in the whole country. And the Lord comes back with this simple statement. And it's a promise. It's a future reality. I will be with you. And that's enough to strike Midian down, God says. And another translation phrases it as if Midian were just one man. That's enough. I'm with you. It's not about Gideon here. The game changer is that God's with Gideon. It's about God's presence with us. It's not about us. And that rings a bell with the song we just sang, right? Yet not I, but through Christ in me. And I really love this phrase, go in the strength you have, verse 14 there. So back in 2020, we were preparing to head over to Timor and I was getting ready for what was yeah my first leadership role and I didn't feel like I had loads of wisdom to offer, didn't have loads of experience. So I was trying to learn about leadership and, and think about it and I was, just happened to be reading through Judges at the time and then this 
statement just jumps off the page at me. Go in the strength you have. And I believe that God was saying to me, hey, go with what you've got. I'll do the rest. I'll help you lead. And when God calls us to a mission or to mission in general, he asks us to do that, to go in the strength we have. Does he say, look, wait until you're self-funded and then go out? Or does he say, look, wait until you're really strong and you're very, very well equipped and then you'll be ready to go? No. Throughout church history, you think about it, God has consistently called the imperfect and the ill-equipped into mission and various ministries wherever people are. Jim Elliott, a missionary to Ecuador in the 1950s, said this, Missionaries are very human folks, just doing what they're asked. Simply a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt somebody. And this can be seen in Jesus' selection of his disciples. There's just some very ordinary people in that group, right? It's not about the person, it's about who's with the person. Now, beyond our reading, if, if you were to read on and you get down to verse 34, you'd see that it says, the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon or took control of Gideon and he blew this trumpet and that called a whole bunch of people to come and join with him um, to stand up against the Midianites. But it was the Spirit of the Lord working in Gideon. It wasn't anything like he himself as this weak guy did. It's the Spirit of the Lord in him. That's the point. So what can we pick up from this part of the conversation? God called Gideon to go in the strength he had. And through the examples of history and whom Jesus trusts to build his church again and again, we can see it applies to us as well. It's not about us or our abilities or our status in a community. It's about God with us calling us. The third statement I want to zoom in on is down in verse 17 and 18. Okay, so Gideon seems to accept what this person under the oak tree is telling him. But he wants some confirmation. He respectfully asks for a sign. Please don't go away until I come back. I'll bring my offering. I'll set it before you. And God's response down in verse 18 is I will wait until you return. If you think about it, this is fantastic. Um, up in Cairns, we've got this, um, one of those little local butcheries, award-winning. It's not in the big shopping centre. It's just on the side of a little street in one of the smaller suburbs. And I went in there one uh, afternoon looking for something to cook for dinner. And one of the specialty products they have in there is goat. And I had these memories of going to some Indian restaurants and enjoying some you know, really nice tender goat curries. And so I was having a look at this packet of goat and the butcher sees me and he says, hey, is that for tonight? I say, yep. He goes, no. You want to cook that really low and slow, pick something else for tonight. So we didn't have goat, bought something else. 
But what can we see of God's character in this encounter under the oak tree here? What can we see of God's character from goat meat? That God is patient. (laughs) So patient. Because he says, I'll wait until you return. And Gideon goes off to prepare a young goat and some bread and some soup. And God's just waiting there under the oak tree, staff in hand. I mean, we can't even handle waiting at the traffic light sometimes, right? And he's sitting there waiting for a whole goat to cook. God is patient. And this truth is actually confirmed for us later in the story of Gideon. Do you recall the story of the fleece later on? God's so patient with him when Gideon asks again and again for confirmation. That's who God is. And another element of his character that we can see here is that God is just awesome, like awe-inspiring awesome. When that offering is set down on the, the rock, he just burns it up right there with a mere touch of the very tip of his staff. Immense power is striking fear and awe in Gideon such that the guy thinks he's going to die. And what's God's response to that? He's comforting. God is also comforting. He says, peace to you. Don't be afraid. Down in verse 23. He's comforting. Now let's kind of zoom out a little bit, take a look at the rest of the events going on here uh, in this Gideon and the Midianites story. What can we learn from the rest of it about God's character? So later when it becomes time for Gideon to get the job done, His first task is to tear down an altar and some special poles that are set up to other gods, just in his village there. But Gideon chooses to do the job with his servants at night because he's afraid of the townspeople's reaction and even his own family's reaction to what he's about to do. Gideon acts at night out of fear, but God doesn't rebuke him for that. Later, again, a story that's set at night, Gideon's told uh, to go and creep up to the edge of this Midianite camp where all their warriors are encamped just before battle. And God says to him, look, if you're afraid, take someone with you, take your servant with you, and then go down and listen to what they're saying. And they do that, and they hear this amazing thing. One guy's had a dream, and he's telling the other fellow about it, that he dreams this big loaf of bread of all things rolls through the Midianite camp and takes them all out. And so God provides so graciously just what Gideon needs in the time of his fear. God is gracious. And we can also see from this wider Gideon story that God's plans are different from our own. In fact, God's ways may well seem ridiculous or nonsensical to us if we're going to just apply our human logic to it. So after Gideon's blown the trumpet, he's gathered a whole bunch of fighting men. The Bible tells us we've got a figure of about 135,000. But what does God do next? Many of you know the story. God whittles down the, the size of that army to only 300. Now, maths isn't my strong point, but looking at that that's actually 0.009% of the original force now who thinks that's a good idea in human wisdom god's plans god's logics 
logic is different to ours. And that can be hard to take for us as humans with our narrow mindset. Now, I believe God called us. Um, I, I believe, pack up everything, go to Timor-Leste with your family. And, and I, I thought it would be for several years. I really did. Um, and so I began playing the long game, learn the language, um, think about some long-term strategies um, for how we can you know, expand the aviation ministry there and help more people. But it turned out to be just nine difficult months for our family there. And yeah, it's been a real point of confusion for us. We think, hang on, what, all that upheaval just for a matter of months? But God is God. And he knows exactly what he's doing. Now, I was blessed to have uh, Stephen Charlesworth as my line manager. And some of you will know him because he's also sent out from this church. Um, while I was country director and he was my line manager, I was you know, meeting with him often and I said, hey, we're not sure if we can stay on here. And when we finally made the decision to, to come back, um, he, was, he was really supportive and he just said, look, God's economy of success is totally different to ours. The way he measures success, we, we can't really grasp. We have this you know, feeble measuring stick as humans that we like to point at something and say, yeah, that was a success. But he's on a whole different level and he knows so much more of the big picture that we can't even grasp. So what we might not see as successful, he might see as a complete win. And you know, hindsight is a beautiful thing um, but we don't always get it. Um, but it, it sometimes reveals to us some of the why in what happens. And I've been grateful to see that even in the short months we were there, uh, God was actually using us as, as part of the, the wider story of MAF and Timor-Leste, as a link in the chain. And I've been encouraged to actually see that you know, some of the things that I was working on and initiatives that I was trying to get going have actually gone really well. Um, like that Ataro shuttle flight. I was thinking of that way down here and now it's happening already. And it's God's mission and he's doing it. It's, he's got it. He's got it under control. He's got that bigger picture. So what can we see here? That the God who calls us is so gracious and patient with our inadequacies He's working in us and through us on a whole different level that we won't always see and with a different logic that we might not be able to understand. We can also see that God just really likes to show his power in us, doesn't he? He's reducing the size of the army. He wants to show his power and who's really at work. So to wrap it up, how should we then live? So being inspired from the story of Gideon. Number one, let's not get hung up on the why. It's okay to ask it, as we see in the story, but you might never know or understand why something difficult is happening or has happened. Number two, let's go in the strength we have. It might not be much, but God will be with us, and he's the deciding factor. 
That's enough. And number three, let's understand the gracious character of the sovereign God that we're serving. That's what he's like. He's good. So we should respond in obedient faith, right? And go. But I don't really see any Midianites surrounding the building. We've got a little bit of a different context today, don't we? So what's our mission then? It's not go and stand up to an army. What's our mission this May Mission Month? And our mission is working with God on his mission. He chooses us to partner with him, which is incredible when you think about it. And it, it's a co-mission, right? We're working together. And, and Matthew 28, where Jesus talks to his disciples just before he ascends into heaven, is called the Great Commission. I'll read it to you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I just want to pick out a few things from this commission. First of all, it's for you and me. Okay, Jesus was standing there on a mountain with his disciples, but if you look at the statements that he uses about all nations and to the very end of the age, it's obvious that it wasn't just those people standing there. It's for us as well. And he says, go and make disciples. So we as a church, we need to be in the business of going, of sending, and of supporting those who are being sent out. We should all be playing a part here, um, getting behind the go group and getting involved. And so I want to thank you guys for the part you've played in our story, enabling that. Finally, like Gideon, this is a good one. We too are told, I'll be with you. I'm with you to the very end of the age. This is amazing. We too have that promise. And that's enough to overcome a vastly superior army as if it were just one man. So let's remember that. It's about who's with us. So this May Mission Month, don't get hung up on the whys. God's got it. Go in the strength you have. God is with you. Understand who's sending you. He's gracious. He's good. I want to lead us in prayer now to close. And yeah, it could be that there's some particular thing God's placed on your heart in terms of going or doing. And you might want to bring that to him now. So let's come before God and ask his Holy Spirit to guide us and empower us in that. Lord, when we struggle with the why, please help us to remember we don't really need to know that answer. You've got this. and You're good. Help us to trust you. And Lord, when you call us to, to go in the strength that we have, please help us to remember that you're with us and that's the game changer. Lord, when we're afraid to take action or fearful of the next step, please help us remember just who is sending us. We thank you that you are gracious. 
You are awesome. You are comforting. You're so many things to us. And we just worship you this morning. We lift you up, Lord God. We thank you for who you are and the way you work with us so graciously. In Jesus' name, amen.